This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I think it's going to be bigger for Tyrod than obviously it is going back for me because he's only been, this will be a second year removed from it. So I think it'll be special. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, they passed over him for Joe Flacco, and they passed over me for John Harbaugh. It's a pretty good company, but you know what? There's reasons for everything, and you know what? We have our shot together, and we feel pretty good about it. A storyline that uh, we haven't even really addressed, Derek, and that is the homecoming for uh, for a number of... Now, I'm sure Rex Ryan's played Baltimore since leaving, but an interesting thing, an there interesting soundbite there. There's yeah. a There's a lot of players, coaches. Read back in the update there, uh... Ryan, obviously, Taylor, Corey Graham. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Corey Graham as well. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting soundbite that he had there. You know, and and basically talking about how they passed over Tyrod Taylor for Joe Flacco. I think that was a no-brainer. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily see that as something that uh, that Tyrod takes and and wants to and wants some revenge or something like that, but. It's interesting now that he gets to go back, uh, and really, when you hear former, uh, you know, former teammates of his with the Ravens, you know, John Harbaugh, other players and coaches, talk about Tyrod Taylor. You know, they're not surprised uh, that Tyler, T- Tyrod Taylor's had the success that he's had so far, uh, just in a year with the Bills. But I think a lot of them expected this uh, this sort of success from Tyrod Taylor moving from uh, moving from Baltimore to Buffalo. And and if you didn't have an opportunity to listen to um, I believe Buffalo Rumblings posted it, and I'm sure it's at some other places as well. But Tyra Taylor uh, wrote an uh, wrote an essay um, and, and, and kind of read it uh, during uh, like a video, and it's um, it's one of those things where I think after all of the crap that Bills fans have been through with at the quarterback position in the past 16 years. You know, I think genuinely Tyrod Taylor might be one of those guys that you look at and say, you know, talk about a gem. Uh, just a guy that I don't think a lot of people saw this, the type of success, the, the ability to just kind of walk into a locker room and a team and basically take over from a first-round pick, which is what he did with E.J. Manuel last year. And, you know, they obviously had Matt Castle on the roster as well. But the fact that he came in here and, and basically deceded, you know, unthroned, a team from a guy that basically they were looking to give every reason to give this team over to EJ Manuel. And then you get a guy who's a sixth round pick, you know, a free agent then comes in and he's on a prove it contract. A guy that I'll I'll tell you that Rex Ryan liked when he was in New York. He tried to trade for a few times. Uh, I think Rex knows the ability of Tyrod Taylor. And, and this year coming into the offseason, I think that a lot of confidence and 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 what I think is more important than having confidence or having a coach have confidence in a player and a quarterback is having your teammates feel like they have confidence and know that when the situation comes down to it that you've got the right guy for the job. Now we haven't seen that yet from Tyrod Taylor. We haven't seen him lead this team on a game-winning drive at the end of the game, and I think that's where I think that's the natural for me. The next step in his progression is, you know, what does he do? What can he do? 
when this team's down by a score or in the fourth quarter and they need a two-minute drive from him. You know, that's, to me, going to be the first thing that I look at this year is in that situation, is this someone, is Tyrod Taylor someone we can count on? Someone that we can say, you know what, we've got one of those guys that can take you and bring you down the field when you need to, when they know that you're going to pass. And, and I think they, he did that last year against Tennessee. He didn't do it with his arm, but I think – I think he gives that ultimate dynamic where a team knows that you're going to pass and they go man up across the board. You, you can't go man up against the Bills and Tyrod Taylor because he will beat you with his legs. You can't turn your back on him. You can't turn your back on him, and that scares the. I'm sure that scares the crap out of teams um, game planning, knowing that they they just can't possibly run a man-to-man defense against Tyrod Taylor. And, and that, that changes things up for defensive schemes, no doubt. Yeah, it's one of those things where... Like you said, Taylor still needs to prove they can handle it on a clutch level and really just bring a game home. He did it against Tennessee, yes, but other than that, we haven't really seen much of that from him uh, and not as often as scenarios would dictate that we needed to see that from him. I mean, we've seen last season we had EJ have a better chance at a comeback attempt in a game-winning drive than we've seen more opportunities of Taylor doing it. Yeah, but at the same time, let, let's – I mean, that, that London game – it, he shouldn't have had to come back in that game. It, it just showed you how poor the Jaguars were and how much better I think the Bills team was. But literally, I mean, three interceptions in a four-minute span can derail any team. doesn't matter how good you are. Exactly. And, again, we're not, we're not here to talk about that. It's about Taylor and how he's supposed to elevate. And the Bills really believe that he is going to do that. And tomorrow is going to be it. I mean, we're – we're basically 24 hours away from kickoff and seeing what Tyrod Taylor, what the next step forward is for him. We're going to see the next game, the first game of the next step for Tyrod Taylor. And the Ravens are a good opponent to find this out about. They're a team that, even despite all of the injuries, the Ravens were in within seven points, I think it was of 12 of their 16 games. Win or lose, they were one-score games, which is incredible it's to telling. see yeah. for a 5 and 11 team that had 22 players on injured reserve yeah and i mean this is a well well coached team john harbaugh i think is one of the best coaches in the league obviously saying so he's got a super bowl so he knows what he's doing back there but uh, let's and that's a nice segue derek let's talk a little bit about this ravens team and maybe what we're expecting to see as far as their injury situation goes that one of their best pass rushers elvis dumerville he's out he's officially out for the matchup against the bills tomorrow um, he's uh, recovering from a foot uh, foot procedure he had in the offseason, so he's not available. They also ruled out cornerback Gerard Powers, who I believe is a pretty significant uh, contributor on he, their defense as well. He's more of like a nickel yeah. kind of guy, but it's still a depth corner that you'd like to have. Absolutely. And then you have guys who are questionable for the, um, which I think is the most important thing. A guy that I really liked coming out of the draft last year, Max Williams, tight end. Uh, he's listed as questionable for the Ravens tomorrow, along with his counterpart, Dennis Pitta, who's trying to make a comeback of sorts after having a few seasons on the shelf uh, with a pretty bad <coughs> hip injury uh, that he sustained almost, I think, three years ago to the date on yes. week one um, and has really had a, a lot of trials and tribulations to get back to this point. There was a lot of talk he was going to retire. Um, you know, This is Dennis Pitta. This is probably one of the more elite tight ends in the league if he can be healthy alongside with Max Williams. They've got a nice one-two punch the tight end position. Both, however, listed as questionable. I, I'm not expecting much from their tight ends in this in this game because of the fact that if Pettit does come back, it's the first time in, what, three years? Not to mention Williams, he didn't exactly impress last season. It was his rookie year, though. It was his rookie year, but I the, 
I haven't seen any reports of him shining in one way or another. And the unfortunate part is them losing Ben Watson. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a guy I think that would have really created an interesting tight end situation there and in that's Baltimore. Where, and that's where I don't think I'm too worried about their tight ends is because of the fact that they went out and they got Watson. Right, and then now he's obviously not able to contribute and play for them. So Pitta, uh, questionable with a finger injury, and Max Williams, uh, questionable with a knee injury. Offensive lineman John Urschel, also questionable with a shoulder injury, and cornerback Sharice Wright with a foot injury, all listed as questionable. Uh, I would expect probably a few of them to play, but I really don't like this new rule the NFL came out with, um, with basically getting rid of the probable uh, tag for it with these injury well, the issues. probable is more or less useless. It, it is, How but at often least... often do you see a guy that's probable that doesn't play? But the it would point... be nice, then, now you don't know with these questionable players, are they probable or are they questionable? That's the that's the beauty of it. I, I, I think it's... It, it's supposed it's... to be a question, hence the name of the term questionable but, right but then i would i still i would like the opportunity to know whether or not they think that player is going to play and that's what that probable um tag really meant for the these teams yeah i mean it really was useless i, I see i disagree because last year obviously it, they're trying to restrict teams for having you know the tom brady thing where tom brady was on the probable listing every single week but for me it now you as a and what this i think makes a difference for is for coaching and for 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 game prep now you don't know on that questionable side is that player questionable or is he probable to play is he going to play we don't know at least with the probable you knew that they were probably going to play but that's the thing they got rid of it because they thought you know what if they're probable they're going to play because the fact is we don't see many players on the probable on an injury report sit I don't remember the last time I've seen that happen. So Sammy Watkins last year? Really? Yeah, against was it Cincinnati? He got hurt in the Cincinnati game. He was listed as probable one game last year and ended up not playing. Um, but not, my, my thought behind it is just I, I think it's a little bit of a coaching advantage now. Um, you know, you could put a guy in a questionable that is probable, and you just don't know whether or not he's going to play. Uh, heck, we, heck, there's another one, though, that is, that's even bigger than all of that, and that is the one that the Bills proposed and got through, which is you could put a guy in injury reserve, and you don't have to designate which one's going to return. So that's a bigger one. Forget the probable thing. It's more or less that these guys, they, there's a roster player that's going to be coming that we don't know who it is yet. It's it's moving on from the obvious, and I'm okay with that because being probable is more or less obvious that you're going to play. Did you take all three practice days? Were you limited in one of those days? Yeah, probable. Okay. And that's what infuriated me. It's like it, it's not that it infuriated me. It's that it makes sense. It makes sense that they have decided to take that designation away because of the fact that, again, very rarely do you see a player that's probable next thing you know be shelved for a game yeah I mean you're probably right it was just to me it was something that I wanted I it's not that big of a deal to me or, or really it shouldn't be a big deal it's anyone. a waste it just, of ink on paper yeah potentially uh but let, let's let's kind of move away from this this because as we were really discussing the Ravens injury issues moving into the game the Bills injury issues not much to speak of they've got a couple injuries going in um obviously Colt Anderson and um uh, Kevon Seymour are are both out, uh, and then you've got uh, Ryan Groy, ribs, uh, Cardell Jones, shoulder, and running back Jonathan Williams, ribs as well, all questionable uh, for the game tomorrow. So um, it'll be interesting to see who ends up uh, 
who ends up playing. I think Jonathan Williams does have a role for the offense if he's healthy. Um, you know, it may not be significant. I don't think it will, but I, I definitely see him as a guy that could get, potentially get a couple of carries, um, especially mop-up duty towards the end of the game if it, Possibly uh, if it is out of Right, and, and that was the other thing is potentially goal line as well. But moving back to the to the Ravens, Derek, Joe Flacco coming off of a serious knee injury he sustained uh, mid-season last year. Um, you know, to me, Joe Flacco is just kind of bleh, but he also is a quarterback that has a Super Bowl ring, um, that has known this offense pretty well. What do you expect this season from Joe Flacco? And maybe what do you expect for the Ravens this season, uh, being a team in a tough division much like the Bills? I think the Ravens are going to be in the hunt this year. They are still a very good team. Flacco is good enough more times than not. Flacco has the ability to take over games and win them by himself. But he also has the games where he buries you by himself. I think Flacco returns to form. And when he is, when he's playing at his best, the Ravens are always threat for a double-digit campaign. And... This is where I believe the Bills can go 10-6 and six and still have a problem getting in. Because those three AFC North teams are going to beat up on Cleveland. They're going to beat on each other. But they're also still better than a lot of teams in the league. Yeah. So, I shouldn't say that. They're a lot better than a lot of teams in the AFC. So that's where I think they get their in. Is we could see the AFC North get two representatives. Yeah. Does it happen often? No. no. But... One, I There's mean, one division. Quality. One division's probably going to have two teams. It's yeah, and it's, that's probably the strongest AFC division we have. It's the North, and the fact is that the Ravens may be the third best team in the North, but they're still a viable playoff contender. Interestingly enough, too, the West is another division that I see, especially if if San Diego can figure their stuff out over there and and kind of return to form. I think an interesting pickup too that a lot of people haven't talked about for the Ravens is Eric Weddle. Um, safety from San Diego, and that's kind of what sparked that that thought for me. And as a guy that I think is really going to, I, I mean, there's no doubt that defense has taken a step back since they lost Ed Reed. Now, I'm not trying to compare Eric Weddle to Ed Reed because I don't think he's that type of player, but I think ultimately he does as, as, as a center fielder, really, and, and really being the last guy of the, your last line of defense, Eric Weddle's a, really an ideal candidate to replace them in that defense. They don't have Matt Elam. I believe he's out for the season again. Yep. Um, you know, just a guy that I think that they saw a lot more from that they just haven't had the the ability to get enough out of um, but an interesting I think addition for that defense obviously you've got Suggs coming back from that Achilles injury that he sustained last year we'll see if he's at 100% and able to go um, but that defense is an interesting Timmy Jernigan I think is a hack of a football player up the middle big um, nose tackle big boy. nose tackle I mean they're they're a hack of a fo- up the middle that that team is stout um, and then obviously you've got you know you've got to me, is where I think they they lack is on the outside at the cornerback position, and I, I yes. think that's where they I, they don't to me have someone that can match up with Sammy Watkins, um, which I think is a big a big mismatch for them. Yes, but while they don't have Watkins, Terrell Suggs, even at his age, is still probably a scary man to defend. Yes, so, he's just a scary man in general, not even to defend. He's just scary. Yeah, and that's a problem when you have to face him. So that will help the corners more times than not. Weddle's presence will help the corners. Yeah, you're right, and and I think that's probably more of something to think about. And it's why you and I think that it's going to be a slugfest between the Bills and the Ravens tomorrow. It's not going to be an easy game. No one thinks it is because of the fact that the Ravens are, A, well-coached, B, a roster that was plagued by injuries last season more than almost anyone in the league, and C, they're still a good team. 
I mean, yeah, I, I think you're. I think it's it's telling though that stat that you talked about before is all those all those one score games and a five and eleven team with twenty two players on IR. I mean, that's that to me is coaching. I mean, including, that's that's just terrific coaching, including both of your star pass rushers, Duke right. Bill and Suggs. Flacco, your your potential one of your well your best receiver, and then the guy you picked in the first round to be your your best receiver, both out the entire year basically. Justin Forsett ends up on the IR, so that's several starters right there, high impact players that you don't get, and they still were in games. Jimmy Clausen was quarterbacking Yikes. that team at one point. Ryan and, Mallett, yeah. So go ahead and tell me that the Ravens are trash, and I will tell you you're wrong. 803-0550-888-552-550 if you'd like to get uh, word in on a little bit of Ravens talk here before we, we bring in Sean Stepner on ABC Baltimore who comes in and uh, will have a nice uh, a nice outlook on both teams as he was uh, a longtime reporter here in Buffalo. Um, so he'll have a unique perspective having uh, reported on both teams. Um, we'll get his thoughts on maybe where he sees Baltimore going this year. And uh, as I mentioned before, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up today by uh, by picking each game, and uh, we will keep tabs on this all season, Derek, because I will defeat you. Bring it. I I, I don't I, I didn't have anything good to come back. With no, that. bring it was good. No, I, you I mean, know what? I I'm, think I'm inspired. I, I think I got one for you here. I know I'm going to get got, but I'm going to get mine more than I get got, though. <laughs> All right, Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Nate Geary, you're listening to WGR. All right, welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday. I'm your host, Nate Geary, on the board, Derek Kramer. Let's not wait any longer. Let's head right out to the AT&T hotline where Sean Stepner joins me this morning from ABC Baltimore. But uh, you got some Buffalo ties, man, right? Oh, Sean, do we, do, we, do we have him? Oh, here he is. Is he with me now? Sean? I got you. All right, here we go. Perfect. How are you, man? How's things in, uh, in the life of Baltimore now? Things are great. Things are great. Uh, about four weeks on the job at the ABC affiliate in Baltimore and uh, love and life. I miss Buffalo, miss Buffalo a lot, but um, I'm from this area um, right outside DC. My wife's from right outside of Baltimore and um, uh, it's going well going really well it's good to hear man yeah and uh obviously out there with the ravens so i figured you'd be one of the i mean the perfect guy to bring in who can talk at least a little bit about each team today uh obviously we got uh, opening kickoff for both teams tomorrow um one o'clock kickoff in baltimore i'm sure you'll be uh watching closely so obviously i know you've been in baltimore so you haven't probably been able to watch too much bill's training camp and preseason stuff obviously there's a lot of headlines with injuries and suspensions but tyrod taylor uh maybe the best of both worlds comes from baltimore last year has a, a i mean i would say a stellar first season as the bill starter so you know maybe what is the talk over there in baltimore heading into this week with tyrod taylor sort of making his homecoming in baltimore yeah so that was a big topic out at raven's camp uh or i shouldn't say camp anymore raven's practice since we're into week one of the regular season um but i was out there on wednesday talking with joe flacco uh terrell suggs um specifically about Tyrod and and what they saw in him here with the Ravens and if they were surprised about his let's just call it success last year with the Bills I mean he had a good season I think everybody can agree with me on that and no one is surprised in Baltimore Um, you know everybody had glowing remarks about Tyrod Taylor and his time behind Joe Flacco and 
Tyrod learned a lot from Joe, um, was part of a Super Bowl champion uh, as a backup. And, you know, everybody really said they had no surprise that, that Tyrod has flourished in his first year with the Bills. They saw it coming, and they're looking forward to playing him uh, tomorrow here in Baltimore. Um, you know, Terrell Suggs talking about what everybody knows about Tyrod, his mobility, his smarts, his work ethic. And um, I think everybody is really looking forward here in Baltimore to seeing him, uh, you know, on the field and actually going against him in a regular season game and not practice. Sean, Derek Kramer here. Got a question for you about the Ravens with the fact that they're starting two rookies on the offensive line. Is there any concern from any insiders in Baltimore about them facing any sort of extra pressure with Joe Flacco, who just came off of a major knee injury? Yeah, that's right. That's been a big topic of conversation. As far as the knee injury for Flacco, he's looked good. He's looked good in practice. He's looked good for the limited amount of preseason play that he he did get into one game. Um, As far as the line, yeah, it's a concern. It's one of the many question marks, really, that the Ravens have this season going in. They're going to start a couple of rookies on the left side of the line, the blind side of Joe Flacco coming off a serious knee injury. We're talking about Ronnie Stanley and Alex Lewis if John Urschel can't go. So we'll see. I mean, John Harbaugh says he's confident that they can do the job. If he wasn't confident, he wouldn't be putting him in there. I mean, that's typical coach speak, really. But it's definitely a concern, one of the many question marks, like I said, for the Ravens going into this season. Sean, and, and another thing, too, that, that we see is Dennis Pitt is making his sort of, I guess, return. I mean, talk about a guy who has really had to battle through a lot of trials and tribulations. I mean, this guy was probably one of the top tight ends in the league uh, up to a couple years ago and then has, the, has that serious hip injury, isn't able to return, then really upsets it the next year, really week one. You know, is this a guy, I'm not sure how much you've had an opportunity to talk with him, but how excited is this guy coming back and how important is he uh, for, the, for the success of the offense for the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, so I think that, you know, it was a position of depth for excuse me for the Ravens coming into the season the tight end position but they've had a couple injuries and Dennis Pitta was one of them in training camp with the finger and you know he's a he's a tested veteran and he's a safety blanket for Joe Flacco but he really hasn't had that much time on the field as of late he's important um, you know as is Crockett Gilmore I think personally I think we'll see a lot of Crockett Gilmore tomorrow uh, Pitta obviously coming back from the injury. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's. I haven't spoken with, with Pitta yet, but from all intents and purposes, he's ready to go. He's ready to make his return. And he's one of the many veterans on this team that are ready to, as Terrell Suggs said, get the band back together. I mean, you're talking about, obviously, Suggs. You're talking about Steve Smith Sr. They both tore Achilles last year. Pitta, Flacco. I mean, there's the list goes on and on. And – that's what we're looking for in the Ravens, and Bills fans can, can kind of anticipate tomorrow, seeing how these guys play after so much time off, and Pitta is just one of the guys. 
Sean Stepner here from ABC Baltimore. Sean, another guy that I think is not really being talked about as maybe a potential key signing for this team is Devin Hester, who came in late in training camp uh, off the street. Didn't really, uh, wasn't in another training camp this year, just kind of comes in. Do you see potentially a role outside of just being their kick returner now in, in Atlanta the past few years? He had been playing receiver. Um, I mean, not he's really wherever he's been, he's been a obviously an electrifying return man. But, I mean, outside of those return duties, which I'm assuming he was brought on there to do, is there, uh, I mean, we Perriman's coming back from injury. Obviously, you mentioned it. Steve Smith coming back from injury. How deep is this receiver squad? And, and do you expect maybe Hester to, to make some impact there as well? Yeah, I don't expect Devin Hester to have that much of an impact outside of the kick return game and the punt return game. That's really why he was brought in here. Michael Campanero, who's actually a local Maryland kid who a lot of people have been rooting for with the Ravens, uh, was put on injured reserve. Uh, He's just been banged up. He's kind of been your Marquise Goodwin of the Ravens recently. He's just been battling injury after injury, and he was put on injured reserve. He was um, the guy they were looking to be kind of their, their kick returner, punt returner type guy. Um, so Hester, I think, will really, will really see the bulk of his time in that. And I don't think he really factors much into what is really a deep receiving core for Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you're talking about Steve Smith. You're talking about Mike Wallace, who comes in, Brashad Perryman, who will be making his NFL debut in the regular season, Kamar Aiken, the former Bill. Um, I think Devin Hester does get in there maybe in some specialty packages or maybe some trick plays or something, but it is a deep receiving core. And actually, you know, we were talking to Steve Smith earlier this week, and, you know, he's the veteran, and he wants to prove himself once again. He's on a mission, he said. And the question was really – is with such a talented receiving core and such a deep receiving core, are there enough touches to go around? And he kind of said that what he's been saying in the locker room is you can't have too much talent. They'll find a way. They'll find a way for the guy, everybody to, to get their touches. And he actually joked, he likes it when they don't pass to him because he gets to turn up field and go on the hunt for a block. And I mean, he had some, colorful language on how to describe said block but he's (laughs) expletive here and there but uh yeah so it's a deep receiving core i don't think hester really factors much into that more in the return game yeah and you brought up mike wallace i mean that's a guy almost completely forgot about i mean this is a guy just a few years removed i mean i think the ravens probably know better than anybody what he was able to do while he in his time with pittsburgh i mean just burning people deep but he's been really since then kind of a one-trick pony and not really been able to stick on anywhere else but you know that leads me to ask you i mean you probably haven't been around very many polarizing figures such as um you know, Steve Smith Sr. So what's it been like to kind of cover him and and what I consider to be his his similar hangry, his hungry and angry, uh, you know, tour coming back from that injury, much like uh, I, he just reminds me of a guy like Tom Brady coming back and, and except he's a little different and Tom Brady doesn't really talk about it. He just does it where Steve Smith does it, but he also does a lot of talking in, in, in there as well. But like, well, what's it been like kind of coming from a, a city like Buffalo and not really having a polarizing figure like that to, to Baltimore, where this guy to me is one of the most polarizing figures in sports? Yeah, no doubt. And he's one of the guys I was really looking forward to talking to and kind of getting to cover. And it's interesting at the station that I work for now uh, here in Baltimore, we have a weekly show 
every uh, we tape it every Wednesday, and Steve Smith is the guest on that show. So it starts next week. So I'm actually going to be able to talk to him, you know, outside of the Ravens facility and kind of get to know him a little bit. But you know what? I liken it to Carol Owens back in the day coming to the Bills. There was so much talk, and everybody was wondering, myself included, how is he going to fit in the locker room? He's outspoken, polarizing, like you said, Nate. And honestly, that year that T.O. was with the Bills and covering him, I had no issue with T.O., and I don't think a lot of guys had a lot of issue with T.O. in the locker room, on the field, really at all. I mean, I think it was a lot of outside national media talking about him. They didn't have a good, good season, not a successful, successful year, and, you know, the whole key to the city thing, and they got a lot of flack for that. But as far as X's and O's and on the field and meshing in the locker room, he said what he had to say. Nothing was too controversial, and I had a, you know, I had a great time covering T.O. As far as Steve Smith, uh, I've talked to him two or three times so far in a press conference setting. He's actually actually been really honest. He got emotional talking about coming back from his Achilles and trying to prove to himself that he can get back to where he has been, which is a Pro Bowl caliber. Now, do we expect him to be the old Steve Smith? No, I don't think he even expects that. But, you know, his first practice after coming off the PUP this year, he got emotional. He started to kind of tear up. You didn't see any tears come down, but he did. His voice kind of broke a little bit. And he wanted to prove to not only himself but everybody out there that he still has it, and that's why he came back. And I think if he would have had a full season last year, he probably would have retired. I think this is the last season for Steve Smith. Uh, barring anything crazy, but it's been a pleasure covering Steve Smith so far. Ask me again if the Ravens go 0-4, 0-5. I don't know. I don't think they will, but if there's some kind of controversy or turmoil or something like that, ask me again, uh, but I've really enjoyed covering him so far. Yeah, we'll be sure to back that up, Sean. Uh, <laughs> quick question here is, um, you know, we asked this to Tyler Dunn uh, a little bit ago, an hour ago, the Justin Forsett cut, and then everything else that happened there. Is there anything that a Baltimore insider knows as to why all of that even happened? What was going on with the running back situation? And last of all, what does the running back situation look like for the Ravens? Okay, so with the Justin Forsett thing, uh, there's no controversy. Um, there's no. There's nothing past. It was all for roster maneuvering. Justin Forsett, and I actually talked to him about this, I think it was on Wednesday after practice in the locker room. And, um, I mean, there's an article up online at our website, um, abc2news.com. But it was all roster maneuvering. Right when cuts were made, the organization and Justin Forsett knew it was happening. They were in agreement. Forsett trusted the organization, and they backed up his trust that, they would, do, they would put a couple of guys on IR. They would um, kind of rework his deal a little bit. They would sign him back. They actually told Forsett, listen, if you get a better offer out there, I don't know, like that blows away <laughs> whatever you think you're going to get from us, take it, but we're going to re-sign you on Monday. So he was off the roster for like 
I don't know, 48 hours, was re-signed. Everything was hunky-dory. Everybody's fine. He was laughing about it. Everybody knew what was going on. Um, as far as the running back situation now, it's kind of like running back by committee a little bit. Forsett is, is, is definitely your feature guy, but they have Terrence West, who's, you know, shifty. Um, they have Javor, uh, Javorius Allen. So uh, Kenneth Dixon is hurt. Um, he's a rookie. So it's kind of like a little bit running back by committee, but as far as the Forsett thing, everything's fine with that. Everybody knew what was going on. Looks like a fantasy nightmare. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, I was actually with one of my friends who's a huge Ravens fan who had Justin Forsett, and he cut him. He cut him oh. right before, he, re, he had him on his team. He got rid of him, uh, and I'm saying to him, I'm like, listen, uh, I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, it was a little bit of a fantasy nightmare for people around here, but everything as far as on the field, non-fantasy, uh, everything's fine. Sean, thanks so much for uh, for coming on with us today. I appreciate you taking some time out of your weekend. I know uh, once football season starts, it gets busy for all of us. So again, I appreciate you taking some time and enjoy your uh, enjoy your new job up in Baltimore. Uh, and uh, just keep on keeping on, buddy. Yeah, for sure. And uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, and hello to all my friends in Buffalo. I really miss Western New York and spent almost nine years there can't say enough great things about that area and i will always treasure my time uh, as a buffalonian i'll always be a buffalonian in heart well that's good to hear man i know we uh we miss your presence around here in the media as well so uh, again congrats on the move and uh and continue doing good things up there man all right thanks a lot take care guys all right sean stepner there from abc baltimore formerly buffalo media as well as he mentioned there uh great guy and uh, again appreciate him having coming on uh, and, and spitting some uh, some bills ravens for us there up next we are going to bring you our picks from around the league for tomorrow and uh maybe give you a little a little taste of what uh breakfast with the bills fantasy style will have to bring um uh tomorrow morning at 7 a.m as well so uh, stay tuned for one more segment here of sports talk saturday i'm nate geary Derek kramer alongside here on wgr seeing all the things that he does and that kind of stuff and like I said come game day it's not my job to worry about whether the pre-snap whether those guys are going to be able to do their job or not I, I have total trust in them and I know that they're preparing the right ways Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco there uh, talking about facing a Rex Ryan defense I'm sure uh They've been preparing quite a while for this as they uh, – maybe a different look, though, this year. I don't know that they're going to have a lot of Bills, Rex Ryan defense on film that's going to be seen this year. But uh, without further ado, let us uh, get going on the picks for this week uh, as uh, I'm expecting uh, some rapid-fire picks. So here we go with the picks. All right, Nate, we're going to start it off. I'm going completely out of order. That's fine. From you just, the schedule. You just, you just shoot me games I and just, we're ready to go. I here. just wanted to shoot the games. Are you going to write this down or am I writing I'll write this down? down. All right, cool. We'll start off Cincinnati and the Jets. This is a quality game. I'm ready for this one. I think the Bengals take it because their defense is just as quality as the Jets is, and I'm taking Andy Dalton over Fitzy any day. I am also going to take Cincinnati. I think uh, I think it's kind of a no-brainer game. Uh, Cincinnati is going to be a good team again, uh, so a uh, win for Cincinnati. All right, next up on the list, I've got Chicago and Houston. A pair of teams that, I mean, there's a lot more questions than answers. I'm going to take Chicago. I'm not sold on Brock Osweiler. I am taking Houston in that one, so there's our first uh, there's our first uh, difference of opinion here. So we've got Derek taking Chicago, and I've got Houston. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch. Who's the home team in that one? Houston. Houston. I've, I've definitely got Houston then. Pittsburgh, Washington. This is a game that is out at night. 
a night game here. I've got the Steelers here. Washington's got a good offense, but they're not Pittsburgh's offense. Um, I think without Le'Veon Bell, that makes a big difference. I really, really like her cousins. I'm taking Washington. Who's the home team? Washington. I'm taking Washington in this one with the home. Uh, I think with the home field advantage, even though uh, their their uh, stadium isn't the nicest or the field isn't the greatest, I've got Washington. I think they could potentially win the NFC East again. Uh, so I'm taking Washington in that one. I mean, that's kind of a low bar. Uh, speaking of low bar, Arizona's going to be hosting New England without Tom Brady. Give me the Cardinals. I am also going to take the Cardinals, so we're agreeing on that one. Uh, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, Arizona, again, my Super Bowl pick. I wouldn't uh, expect them to beat a Garoppolo-led uh, Patriots team. Yeah, they're going to have a, uh, my prediction is that they they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, so that's going to be a bigger challenge for them in the future. Yes. Giants, Dallas. I don't know what I'm feeling about Dak, but I'm feeling that the Giants' defense is it's better. It's better. And I think Still New York. Great. I think New York gets it out of their. Uh, I, I, they get out of their rut that they showed in the preseason. They get this one over Dallas. Yeah, I've got the Giants as well. Eli Manning over Dak Prescott. I think that's a fairly uh, easy uh, pick for me. Uh, we just don't know what they're going to get. So uh, both of us taking uh, the Giants there. All right, San Diego, Kansas City. Uh, that's a uh, that's a division matchup. Who's home? Kansas City is home. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. They're a much better team yeah, all around. I like, I like the Chiefs there. I, I think San Diego gives them a run for it. Potentially, just because of the quarterback play, but yes. that's, that's about it. Minnesota, Tennessee. Sean Hill's starting for the Vikings. But it doesn't matter if that defense is good enough to help get them a win over Tennessee. I talked a lot of smack about uh, Marcus Mariota. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on it. I'm gonna say Minnesota also wins that game. I, I'm just not sold on Mariota yet. Um, mm. Matthew Collar, former employee here at uh, WGR, had a lot of great things to say about uh, Mariota, but he's the uh, the Minnesota beat reporter. So I'm going uh, I'm going with the stuff there. I'm gonna take Minnesota in that one. Tampa Bay, Atlanta. We get another divisional match. Atlanta. Here. I'm going Bucks here. I like what Jameis Winston's been able to do, maturing as a quarterback. I, I like their weapons. And their defense is sneaky good with Gerald McCoy. I really, really like Jameis Winston. I like him much better than Marcus Mariota, obviously, as I talked about. I'm going to stay uh, stay on tune there and also take the Bucks to win that one over Atlanta. Just not impressed with where Matt Ryan's progressed over the past few years of his career. Doesn't have the tight end that he had in Tony Gonzalez, and I think that's really hurt him. Uh, obviously, Julio Jones, and I think the uh, sneaky pickup for them is Muhammad Sanu. I just don't think they have enough to beat the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks, who I think will have an up year this year after a down first year under uh, Lovey Smith, and then obviously they now go to Dirk Cutter. So uh, I got Tampa Bay winning in Dirk Cutter's first game. We can skip Buffalo, Baltimore. We, we both picked the Bills there. Green Bay, Jacksonville. I got the Packers here, and this is, I guess, we're going to see what the Jags are really made of. Yes, we will. And they're going up. Uh, that's a good test for Gus Bradley's defense. Um, but uh, I'm going to take Green Bay as well. I just think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. All right, we got to go quick here. Detroit, Indy. I've got the Lions. Really? Yes. No time for explanation. Go. I'm taking Indianapolis. St. Louis, San... Uh, oh, I said St. Louis. Woo! Excuse me. L.A. San Fran. I'm going to put a dollar in the jar for that one. Give me the Rams, whatever they're called. I am going to take the whatever Rams as well, so there's another one we agree on. Any more here? Cleveland, Philadelphia. Give me the rookie Wentz. Really? I'm going to take... I'm going to take Cleveland. Dancing with the devil. I boy. know it. I know it. I'm going to take Cleveland in that one over Philly. Who's home? Philly. I'm taking Cleveland. Oakland, New Orleans. I've got the Raiders here. I'm driving that car. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I just don't think New Orleans is a very good team. 
And while the Seahawks are kneeling for the national anthem, they're going to put a beat with. down on the fish. That won't matter. The big story is going to be how they murdered the Dolphins. Also agree. I think that's a kind of a no-brainer. Seattle is a heck of a football team that will continue into this season. We're and out. that is it for picks. We will uh, we'll let you know how we did next week. Uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks to everyone that joined me today, Tyler Dunn, Sal Capaccio, and Sean Stepner. For uh, Derek Kramer, thank you, sir, for uh, hopping on the board today for me. Ben I appreciate it. And uh, for me, Nate Geary, uh, you've, you've been listening to Sports Talk Saturday right here on WGR. We'll talk to you next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.